appreciate the evening light. Amen. Thank God for the morning light. Thank God for the light in the noonday. I find it amazing whenever I go out hunting and hunted in, in different states and in Africa and some of those other places like that as well. It's always amazing when you're out like that. You hunter brothers know what I'm talking about, that at first daylight or right before daylight, the first birds start making their noises and then other birds will kick in and as you sit there during the morning, it's like they have a revival. And it goes on for a couple hours, maybe. And then if you sit there up during midday and on, which I have before, when you're there in the tree stand, maybe just about all day long. And it goes in that, in that quiet time where you'll see a bird flying by every now and then, and this will happen. But for the most part, you've got those hours that there's just not a lot going on, uh, except for your eyes, and they start going... And then you want to lay before the Lord and <laughs> climb down out of the tree stand and lay at the foot of that big tree and let that warm sunshine hit you on the face. Next thing you know, you're in la-la land. So they say the big deer move then. I can imagine that because they walk by and say, got you. <laughs> but then in the evening time, you know what happens again? Those birds start flying. They start chirping. Things start moving. Because the main revival is in the morning time and the evening time. That's nature. Hey, friends, we're chirping. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad to be living in the time when the voice is not silent? It's still speaking God's word. Amen. God bless you. Let's turn today, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 10. We'll read two verses here. I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Greet you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. Privilege for us to be gathered together here in the house of the Lord. Amen. A great opportunity. Amen. We love him so much and so appreciate him and appreciate you. <clears throat> for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Now this Greek word here that Paul uses in writing this is not sinlessness, but it is teleo, which is the same word that's used many times in the New Testament for completion or to be finalized or to have something added to the full volume to make you everything that you need, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. And to me, it's one of the greatest mysteries of the New Testament And whenever we read this verse. Because it displays to us the emptying out of who he was and the coming to this earth and allowing himself to be perfected. The Almighty. The Almighty. But he had to empty himself of perfection 
in order to take on human nature, he did not come now in his divine deity character. But he laid that aside. And he assumed human nature that was without full, perfect character. Now remember, he never sinned, never done anything wrong, never said anything wrong. But the character that he needed was character to reign. And when he was born, he wasn't born with it. I know that's staggering. <laughs> well, I guess we might as well quit, hadn't we? <laughs> to make the captain of their salvation perfect through what? So if he had it when he was born, he didn't need this part. It could only come through suffering. Now remember, he's the head of the new race. God is starting something new. The captain of their salvation, perfect through sufferings, for both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Let's pray together if you would. Heavenly Father, it almost makes me shudder to make those statements that I just made. It seems overwhelming, Lord. To some, it would, they would never say it because they lack the understanding to be able to say it properly. But Father, we dare not take away from you in any way that which you were or which you are or which you became temporarily. We simply want to give record and give voice to what you chose to do yourself. And knowing that you had us in mind, that the reason that you did it, Lord, we will be forever grateful. We pray that you'd take your word once again today and speak to us. May our hearts be like those on the way to Emmaus. As they came into the house and it was late in the afternoon and the sun was fixing to set. and They'd walked with you all day. You took the scriptures and opened the scriptures and made them so real. Yet when you took the bread and you broke the bread and blessed it, there was something about the way you broke the bread that let them know it was you. Their eyes were opened and you vanished. Lord Jesus, may we see you today. May they not see me. Help me to get out of the way and help me that I can surrender, Lord, to the gift that you put in me. So that they won't see Donnie Reagan or hear Donnie Reagan. But may they be able to see and hear the Lord Jesus as he uses a gift that's surrendered. Oh, Lord God, may they see and hear you break the bread. Because you're the only one that can really do it. Granted, I pray, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. It seems overwhelming, really, that he would allow himself to be less than what he was in order to make those who were less greater. Our human minds find it hard to comprehend such greatness, and you can see why, of course, Satan absolutely, absolutely cannot understand such greatness. The mind of most 
even Christians would really struggle with the depth of it. I see some of you that's been sitting around for a long time. You struggle with some of it. And it's because tradition so ingrained in what we believe and what we think is right. For the most part, good, sincere people that love the Lord, it's not that they're trying to be stubborn when you bring them further enlightenment of truth. It's just that they're precautious. And I don't blame you for that. And especially when we would deal with this great mystery of our Lord coming to the earth. And it, it's, it's something that it takes the Spirit of God to unveil it to us, to help us to slice between the right and the wrong and divide error from, uh, from truth and be able to walk that fine line and see exactly what he laid aside and what he wanted to assume, what he wanted to be able to give away and what he wanted to be able to bring us to. And as we closed out last night with Romans chapter 8, verse 17, from there in the church age book, and the Smyrnian church age, we'll pick up there again. And if heirs, then heirs, heirs of God, if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Now here we come to a mysterious part of the bride and the groom, which the church will never ever actually be called to enter into. I'm talking about the church natural. Unless we suffer with him, we cannot reign with him. Now I hope you understand that the church natural will never be called to enter into a sphere of suffering with the Lamb because they will never actually reign with the Lamb. Remember, in the millennium, it will not be the Lot type. It will not be the Nicodemus type. It will not be Joseph of Arimathea, but it will be the bride type. So because they will not be rewarded with such an outstanding reward of reigning along in the messianic empire of the millennium, then God will not put them through what he puts the bride through. God is not a God of frivolous nature and makes people suffer without a cause. So you may look at foolish virgins and think, why don't they go through what we go through? And, and truly, every, every human suffers something. We go through various things. But you look at the bride and you think, why does the bride go through so much? It's because you have so much ahead of you. For the foolish virgin, you look at Lot, and Lot had things that he went through. No doubt he did. But compare him to Abraham, it was nothing what the man went through. But yet the reward that God gave him was in no comparison compared to what he gave to Abraham. You take, take the church natural and see what they go through. Will they suffer an element of being a Christian? They will. Those that will go through the tribulation period, the prophet tells us they'll be hunted down like dogs and they will give their lives for the cause. How will they do that? I don't know exactly. If they couldn't stand for the word in this hour, how will they be able to do it in the tribulation period? It's more than I really know and I really don't study a lot about it because I don't plan on being there and I hope I'm not preaching to any of that caliber, caliber of people here today. 
But I do know that they will never be required to suffer and to have a character which will match the character of our Lord. So then that helps us, I hope, to be able to see that whenever you move into the category of election, whether you are Abel, whether you are Seth, whether you are Enoch, whether you are Enos, whether you are Jacob, whenever, whichever you are, and you looked at the category of the elect, and then you look at their counterpart, which was a twin, and you see that their twin always went through much less. And their twin had much less difficulty seemingly in life because of the position they were called to be. Now to some it would seem unfair. It would seem unequal that God actually makes the elect go through so much more. But you see, the equality is not reached here in life in the way we look at it with our eyes now. But if we compare now to the hereafter, then definitely we can see why he would allow his beloved to go through much more. Now, notice this, how that he says this in the church age book. Unless we suffer with him, we cannot reign with him. You have to suffer to reign. The reason for this is that character simply is never made without suffering. Character is a victory, not a gift. A man without character can't reign because power apart from character is satanic. Now, let me, let me just share something with you as I sat back there a while ago reading over this quote over and over and over again. And I saw something in this that I'd never seen all the years that I've been in the message. And as I read this a while ago, I saw and God imparted to me something about what we're, where we are right now looking at the season of the life of Christ, that a man without character can't reign because power apart from character is satanic. And it was these two words, a man, a man cannot reign. And as I begin to look at that and the inspiration struck my heart, I begin to realize that this also was inclusive of the man, Christ Jesus. Now, when he come to the earth, he must lay aside by the act of kenosis his, all of his great divine qualities, his great power to speak the worlds into existence, he must lay aside the existence of overcoming by pre-existence. He must lay aside the ability to conquer sin by omnipotence. He must lay aside all of his powers of deity and face sin and face evil and face temptation as a man anointed using the word. So when he comes to the earth, then he empties himself out of divine character, which is totally separate, of course, than human character. Now, what we're referring to is the character that is a victory is not character of deity, but character of humanity. Deity does not need the supplement of trials and tests in order to make the character to where it understands. 
Deity's character already has that. But the Lord Jesus had to lay aside the character of deity in order to take up the character of humanity. Now listen carefully. Because Jesus had never reigned yet. Now think of it. The Christ, the Logos, was a part of the Word. Amen. But Jesus, the man, had not sat on the throne of God. I know, friends, that that is staggering. That's why the prophet would say Jesus, the man, the body, was not eternal. But he is now. So the, the man, glory, the man, Christ Jesus, did not sit on the throne before his incarnation. Glory to God. But it was the Logos that had reigned as God. But remember, God is not a man. God, the eternal, is invisible. So don't get in your mind now that we're talking about two separate beings and two separate gods. God is invisible. God did not have hands. God did not have eyes, and he still don't. God does not have hands. God does not have eyes and ears and a mouth and a nose like ours. But God wanted that, and God wanted to become a human being. So when he projected this part of himself down to the earth, he stripped this part of himself out of the deity, which was the attribute of God, which was the attribute of the Logos. And when the Logos comes to the earth, which come into the human body of the Lord Jesus, it did not bring with it or depart or actually impart this divine character. And the Lord Jesus then would deal with all of humanity on his earthly visit with divine character. No, because the Lord Jesus is going to be God's glorified human body. It will be that that will reign and rule for eternity. So he's making now something new. So the head of the new race, however he deals with the head, he will have to do with the remaining children. So if God departs, absolutely leaves heaven and leaves all of this and comes down to the earth, but brings with him everything that he was there. So all of his character, everything that he has, he cannot be taught anything. He cannot learn anything. He's omnipotent. He's all-knowing. And then he comes down and he lives in a human body with all of that. He will have to make every other child of God the exact same way. Amen. So he must empty himself out of all of that and come to the earth without this divine character and assume a character which is, now remember, it's not, he's it's, totally sinless. And the perfection that we're speaking about is not sinlessness, but it is an understanding of bringing you to a place that you can identify with others. And you can share a common knowledge, a common empathy with others. Now, God did not have that by experience. He had it by his omnibusance. He had it by his omnipotence, but he did not have it by experience. But yet God wanted to experience it. 
Because the Lord Jesus is not only going to be king, but he's actually going to be high priest for 2,000 years before he becomes crowned. Now remember, the Lord Jesus has not actually yet to this very day been crowned king of kings. He is our priest, but he has not received his crown yet. Now you all know your Bible, you know that's right. Who will crown him? The saints. Right? It will be the saints because he has not yet received his crown. He's on his father's throne. So the Lord Jesus is there in the father's throne, which is the spirit God's throne. So he's there acting as the mediator that is able to present his own life as a sacrifice and an atonement. So notice then a man without character. If you notice how the prophet says this, he doesn't say an angel without character because an angel which would have been elect and kept his position in the original state with God has an angelic character that everywhere he goes he would have it. And deity, if deity would come to the earth and embody itself in an animal or a man or a woman, and God, of course, doesn't get in animals. The person of God don't get in trees. The person of God doesn't get in ants. But wherever that deity would come into, if it come into Moses, if it come into John the Baptist, if it come into the Lord Jesus and lived inside of there, that deity would bring that character. But God, by his own plan, said, I cannot do it that way. I must make it to where that this divine character will be separate from his humanism. And when he comes on the earth in his humanity, he will also lack that character of divinity. And I will actually make character inside of my own human body that will be made just like the way I'll make the rest of my children. He's going to be the first of this new race. So a man without character can't reign. Now remember, Jesus was the man, the boy, the body, the prophet calls it. He was the human element or the humanity of God. And being that, then the Lord Jesus had a spirit. The Lord Jesus had a soul. Isaiah said his soul was an offering. And the Lord Jesus, of course, had skin and maybe looked like a Jew. The woman at the well thought he was a Jew. So whenever this man, we look at him, then this man did not have a completed, consummated character because deity got inside of this body. So the character was not given to him as a gift when he receives the fullness at the River Jordan. Because if that would have happened, then you and I would also have to receive the fullness when we receive the Holy Ghost. And our character would have come to us by the baptism of the Holy Ghost instead of trials and tests and suffering. So think about it now. The Lord Jesus receives the attribute of the fullness of God and then the Spirit of God leads him where? It does not lead him to the throne of God, but it leads him straight into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So now we go into the stage to where Matthew 4, Luke 4, that our Lord Jesus is now suffering. So he's suffering under demonic attack. 
Really, I don't think any of the gospels declare to us what he went through. It must have been awful. It must have been absolutely horrible. Those 40 days when he was there alone. And no doubt his character had already been started being worked on through the years of silence, as we call it. But I just imagine in my own mind that after receiving the fullness of the attribute of God, that all the gates of hell, as it were, were emptied against him. So the rest of his life, there must have been so much torment. I wonder how many nights that he turned and tossed on his mat, because he didn't have a bed as far as we know, but how many nights that he would lay out under the stars of the Louis, under a tree or wherever it was, and they basically carried a small mat the size of a man, and they would roll it up and carry it on their back. And as he would sleep and try to find peace and the demons would come against him. And he would heal the sick and raise the dead. As he would go back under a, maybe an olive tree or whatever it was. And them demons would come at night and they'd rub their flesh against him. And he would hear chains rattling all night long. Them demons coming and appearing to him and trying to torment him. Now remember he was a human. So he did not walk in that great sphere of that realm of the divine and the realm of vision all the time. But he must be tried and his character must be molded because he does not have the character. Now listen, he does not have the character yet matured that is fit to reign when he was a 12-year-old boy. He does not have the character which is fit to reign as a 30-year-old man when he receives the Holy Ghost. He must suffer three and a half more years of agonizing pain, not only on the cross, but of rejection by people. He must be ridiculed. His name must be cast out as evil and laughed at and all sorts of things. But what this is actually doing is bringing the human character of the Lord Jesus to a state that God can be crowned in a human being. Now I want you to think of what is going to reign in the millennium. It will not be the eternal. Amen. But it will actually be the glorified body of the Lord Jesus Christ as the son of David. So the man, Christ Jesus, must have his character brought to maturity. You understand? Now if he's going to have a people that are going to reign with him and set with him in his throne, then they likewise must also have a character which is going to be tried and tested. They will endure all kinds of things. Now these things that they endure are not self-inflicted. And it's not things that they go around looking for trouble and that they bring upon them themselves. But it is things that they suffer because of the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they likewise will be crowned. Now let's read this now again with this in mind. A man without character can't reign because power apart from character is satanic. But power with character is fit to rule. 
Now, the Lord Jesus has completed his life's journey and his character was brought to that state of maturity insomuch that it would merge together to where it could be King God, King Theophany, King Jesus. Priest, King, and prophet. Notice the three great titles of God that would merge together in that one office. He was God before he became a man. But the secret is, how do you become a man and not merge all that that God was into the humanity? If you're going to start a new race, you've got to do them all exactly the same way. The only way it can be done is to lay aside the Godship and then pick qualities by which the fullness of the Holy Ghost will come inside of him, but yet he will not overcome by deity because it's totally unfair if he overcome by deity and then tell you and I to overcome by a spoonful. So he had the entire ocean, Brother West, inside of him. And then here you and I have a spoonful of that ocean. And we live in the more awful age than he actually lived when he was here himself. Is that right? And he tells me and you to overcome with the spoonful when he overcome with the ocean? There ain't no way. So what did he do? He had access to the ocean, but it was as if though he had limited himself. Now remember this is done by the decree of the nature of the lamb. The lamb must be willing to do this. The lamb must not kick. The lamb must not stomp. The lamb must not rebel against the sacrificial rites of the one that is offering it. The lamb must go to the slaughter as a gentle surrendered being. And the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, must not be made to do this, but he must do it by his own will. And he did. So he comes and he allows himself. Now he lays this perfect divine character aside and he leaves that in heaven and he is born a man. So you're now God, the word, becomes a baby, becomes a cell in the womb of a woman. Then he becomes a baby. Then he becomes eight years old. Then he becomes 12 and then a teenager and then on and on. And this character is starting to be molded because he is a man. And it will be this man glorified that will actually reign upon the throne of God. Amen. Amen. It will be this man, Christ Jesus, amen, amen, that will be raised up to become the high priest in the office of mediator that paid the price for the rest of his brethren. Now what's in power with characters fit to rule? And since he wants us to share even his throne on the, read it, say it, same basis, same basis. Then he couldn't overcome the ocean, as I said, and give you a teaspoonful and tell you that we're on the same basis. No, he actually come on the same basis. That he overcame it is set down in his father's throne. Then we have to overcome to set with him. And the little temporary suffering we go through now is not worthy to be compared to the tremendous glory that will be revealed in us when he comes. All what treasures are laid up for those who are willing my, to enter into his kingdom 
through great revelations and shoutings and jumpings and new cars and new houses and new lands and never go through a trial. I'm sorry, friends, that's not what the Bible teaches us. Notice he said, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials that are to try you. That is what Peter said. Is it a strange that God wants us to develop a Christ-like character that comes through suffering? No, sir. And we all have trials. We are all tried and chastened as sons. Not one, but goes through that. The church that is not suffering and is not being tried hasn't got it and isn't of God. So the churches and the preachers and the ministries that want to project themselves that they are trial free and their church is trial free and all they are are great revelations after another, after another, after another. Well, I'll just say it simply, they haven't got it. I don't care who they are. I don't care how long they've been around, how revelated they think they are according to this right here. They haven't got it and they're missing something. But God is going to allow his people to be tried. Notice Hebrews 12, 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges every son whom he receiveth. But if ye be without chastisement whereof all are partakers, then you're tremendously blessed. Oh my, you're one of the inner circle. You're a bastard. You're not a son or daughter of God. If God don't wear you out when you mess up, you better hit this altar. Don't wait till I finish. Come right now. If God lets you get by with sin, I'd be scared to death this morning. If you can live any way you want, do anything you want, and God don't get your hide, brother, you're in a bad shape. Amen. I don't love spankings, but it's one of the signs I'm a son. I don't like scourgings and whippings and all that sort of thing, but I don't know about you, that's the reason I come to church. I was one of the main reasons I come to church is to find my shortcomings. Well, praise God. I'm, I'm sorry y'all didn't know that that was a direct quote from Brother Branham. Okay, now will y'all say amen since you know it's a quote. Okay, good, good. All right, we're on the same page. Now, what's this? And now this special condition is in Smyrna must be applied to every age. There is no age free from it. There is no true believer free from it. This is of God. This is the will of God. It is needful. We need the Lord to teach us the truth that we are to suffer and be Christ-like in doing it. I need more teaching. I said, I need more teaching. Now, a lot of us suffer, but we don't suffer like Jesus. We growl, we grumble, we complain, and we get an attitude against God, and we go to God, well, God, how come I got to go through this? I'm a Christian. Well, let me take it a step higher. Let's just go into the life of the Lord Jesus and let's just say the Lord Jesus going through all kinds of hell on earth. And the Lord Jesus don't tell the Father, why am I going through this? I'm a Christian. No, let's say what he could have said. Why am I going through this? I'm Christ. Ah. Which makes him a great big step higher than a Christian. We're not talking about one who's saved by the grace of God. We're talking about the grace of God. So why am I going to this? I, I'm Jesus. Why am I having to be talked about and run down? Why am I pain in my body? Why, Father? I am the very Christ. 
But sometimes us Christians feel like, well, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't go through that. And please tell me what chapter and verse you got that out of in the Bible. Now, let's accept the fact that is a lie from hell. It's just as much a lie as the Trinity. There's no scripture in your Bible that tells you you're not going to go through things. As a matter of fact, my Bible tells me many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. But I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, but your body ain't. Your cells ain't. If you want to get mad at somebody, if you're getting sick, maybe you ought to have your DNA run and see what side of your family had come from. Because a lot of what you go through come from your daddy, your uncle, your aunt, your grandpa, your 13th cousin back behind you. And on your mother's side, you received heathenism, a tough loads of it. From the other side, from your daddy, you got stubbornness and hard-headed. One of the reasons you're the mess you are is because your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents. God ain't got nothing to do with all that trash. Let's just face facts. We're all, we're, we're a mess. Humanly, the very thing you love so much and you're so proud of, why, Lord, children, we're worse than a bunch of rats. Because a rat ain't got a soul. A rat lives on the dump, that's all he knows to do. But humans live on the dump pile and God will damn them to hell because they've got a soul. They don't have to live on the garbage heap. But they choose to. Right? A rat don't know no different, but a human chooses to live like an animal. They choose to live like hogs. They live lower than dogs in this day. But they choose to. And then here we are born in all this mess. Lord have mercy. Everybody's so interested in Ancestry.com. I want to find out godsdeity.com. I want to find out my true soul.com. My true genetics.com. I'll tell you one thing. I, I, don't, I don't mind spitting in that little thing and figuring it all out. I'm afraid to go too far back. I don't tell them what in the world I'd find. I'd get more discouraged than what I already am. I'm so glad that I'm only living. And I don't know about you. Maybe you glorify this thing right here. How do you glorify a prison anyhow? How do you idolize a prison? How do you worship a prison? And this is what this is. Once you get the Holy Ghost, you realize this body is nothing but a house of clay. Bars of bones are imprisoning your soul, your nature, your makeup, your genetics, your DNA. Every bit of it is your enemy. Watch this. And Matthew goes on, Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecute they the prophets which are before you. The cloudy skies and storms of life are no signs of God's disapproval. I don't mind telling you, we've had one of the wettest springs I ever remember in my years of existence. And I took care of the other day. I said, you know what? I'm beginning to realize why the Lord did not choose the color of gray to paint the skies. Because gray, it has its place. 
It's a calming color sometimes. You know, they use it in prisons. They use it in different places. Psychologically, it works on your neurons and your paths and your brain. And it, the colors have an effect. But I'm so glad he didn't choose gray to be the constant permeate color of the sky. Isn't it amazing that you walk out and there's something about this kind of stuff. Oh, it's so gloomy today. It's so sad looking. And there's the clouds. And we know that we need rain. We know that we need rain. And, uh, you know, it's, I've never seen it myself. Maybe you have. I've never got a shower with a clear blue sky. I've never done it myself. So it takes the clouds. But I'm so glad. And, and, and purple is all right. But can you imagine the sky being purple? Can you imagine it being lilac? God chose exactly the right colors and the symmetry of mixing it together. Isn't there something that you walk out and yours this yellow fireball hanging out there, our sun, and then the, the, the skies is all this blue, and yet those of you that have flown, and you get up and fly, and you say, where does all that color come from? And there he made it in such a beautiful way, and we look at it, if we're not careful, in the same way spiritually, and whenever we're having storms and lightning, oh, it's so cloudy today, oh, it's so dismal, oh, it looks awful, oh my, I'm ready for some sunshine, I'm going to Florida. Rains on you all the way down there and all the time you're down there and you come back and then you say, Lord, have mercy. How was your vacation? Don't even ask me about it. It was awful. We went to Charleston. It rained every day. Was up. What was you expecting? You was expecting maybe a little bit of showers in the evening and the rest of it you was expecting what? Come on, admit it. You were expecting beautiful blue skies. My, you go into sunny Sedona, Arizona or you go somewhere for some really beautiful sky and it rains every day you're there and you're going to say, oh, look at this. Isn't this beautiful we're so happy our vacation Facebook uh. and people look at the storms of Isaac oh Lord is it gray out I'm going back to bed oh my goodness is that thunder I heard is that lightning and they look at the storms of Isaac God don't love me God don't let me. You imagine the earth shuddering and saying, oh, God don't let me. God don't let me. He's letting clouds come on me. Oh, my God's letting the barometric pressure drive to a certain spot and let my soul water rise up and get up in the clouds and begin to condense and it drops over. Oh, God don't let me. No, he does love you. And if we use clouds as a measure to measure God's love, you are in a mess, my friend. The sunny skies, oh, God loves me, God loves me. If you've ever flown again, as I say, if you get high enough, you'll fly through them clouds, and you'll find on the other side of them clouds, no matter how thick they are, the sun is still shining. Oh, I love it. I hate turbulence myself flying out. So I'm so glad when I get up to there, 15,000, 20,000, 25,000, and the pilot comes on and says, now, uh, uh, folks, it's going to be a little bit bumpy. I hate them words. I hate them words a little bit bumpy because most every one of them pilots lie like dogs. It's going to be a little bit bumpy on the way out and we're going to ask the flight attendants to please remain seated. I'm even more worried. When they don't, they don't stand up, oh Jesus, oh Jesus. Jesus said, lo, I'll be with you. I'm waiting for that thing to go off at 10,000 feet and then I'm waiting for that light to go off. And I'm watching, sitting there, Brother Donnie, as much as you've flown, Brother Alan Butcher, a pilot of a 757 and 767, said he flown. He told me, Brother Donnie, it ain't natural to fly. I'm talking about a man that's flown for years. And if he said that, it sure ain't natural for this boy. 
But what do we do? We can't wait. Oh, and the pilot said, we get up 25,000 feet, the turbulence will be reduced, and we're expecting a good flight to Phoenix. And I'm saying, glory to God. Well, some of the worst fights I ever had in my life, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. Coming across the Pacific Ocean one time, whenever I was there in China, the arrest thing took place. My goodness, I never had such a bumpy flight. I mean, I bounced all over everywhere, and there's a man beside me that got mad because he did not want me to sit in that seat, and the stewardess placed me there. He gouged me all the way in. He was rude to me the whole way. He piled over the top of me and sat right on top of me. I thought, you devil, you, you'll answer at the day of judgment. I thought about calling fire out of heaven, but I remembered I was flying, and it might be dangerous for me too. <laughs> and we look at life spiritually and say, oh God, I hate turbulence. Oh God, I don't like trials. Oh God, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. That's right. But you don't judge how much God loves you by the turbulence in your life. You don't judge how much God loves you. Oh, I go days, Brother Donnie, and I don't feed him. I understand. But my love, hallelujah, is not consistent because of sunshine. It's because I believe his word. (laughs) Cloudy skies and storms of life are no sign of God's disapproval. But how many of us Christians go out in our days of God's mercy given to us? Dear Lord, check the weather. 30 minutes of sunshine, and it's in my doctor's appointment. My luck. I'm having a root canal today at the same time. Great. 30 minutes of sunshine and I'm uh, standing nearly upside down on my head when a root canal. Oh, God must hate me. Now I'll tell you what God hates. Your stinking, rotten attitude. So when your storms of life get come, you understand say, praise God. I'm glad I woke up this morning. A lot of folks didn't. I'm so glad I'm a Christian. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that God loves me. I'm so glad God cares for me. Here's your umbrella, honey. Oh, praise God. I'm so glad I got an umbrella. Oh, my, because whenever I comb my hair and I spray it with hairspray, if I don't cover it up, it just runs down. Oh, I'm glad I got an umbrella. Oh, I'm so glad I can be able to serve God. I'm so glad. Oh. Oh, it's a bad day to be a Christian. It ain't never a bad day to be a child of God. Let me tell you one thing, friend. I'd rather take the worst day that I've ever had being a Christian. I'm not sure what day that would be. And I'll compare that to the very best day any sinner has ever had on the earth. And I'll take my bad day being a child of God over the best day any person going to hell has ever had. Because it will outweigh it millions and millions to one. Because the grace of God keeps us in our bad days. Imagine when the creator in a human body walked on the earth. And no doubt the Lord God loves beautiful skies. As the Lord Jesus looked at the wind and the skies were lowering and he knew what was coming. And his mind could go back to the very beginning when there was no rain when the fountains come from within the heart of the earth 
and it irrigated itself. You think the Lord Jesus loved clouds? You think the, love Jesus, the Lord Jesus loved lightning and thunder? You imagine that? Remember the power to stop it? You see him. But he cannot just reach in and do as he wants to do. He must follow Father. Can we go on? Neither are bright skies. Bright skies. Emojis. Smile. Smile. Bright sky. Oh. Neither are bright skies and still waters. Signs of his love and approval. But why do we still use these as measuring rods? Boy, I can't tell you how long it's been since I've been through a trial. Praise God. Well, I can't tell you how long it's been since I've been without one. Because <laughs> you know what? I'm not just going through things myself. When you all go through them, I go through them with you. Y'all go through traumas in your life and, you know, come through a season and you go through difficult times and, and you get out of it for a while. Well, when you get out of it, somebody else in the church goes through it. I never get out of them. I never, never, never get out from under, no matter where I go in the world, either by email, by text, by WhatsApp, by something. I'm constantly being reminded of this trouble, this issue, this problem. If you're waiting for that sunny day to arise, you'll never have peace. But there's a way you can have sunshine in the middle of cloudy days. From where? From within your own soul. And many of you take everybody's problems to yourself and you try to fix them all and you try to bear the load and you think that is spiritual. That ain't spiritual. You're letting the devil rob you. You're not God. You're not called to fix everybody's problems. You're called to do what you're supposed to do and let God be God. Now, do I prefer the bright skies? Oh, I do. Still waters? Love them. Oh, I love them. But his approval of any of us is only in the beloved, which has nothing to do with skies, nothing to do with water, whether it's still or drowning. His love is elective, which he had for us before the foundation of the world. Does he love us? Ah, oh, yes. But how shall we know? Bright skies, still waters. I'm paying all my bills. I feel him every time I pray. Every prayer is answered. But why do we use those things as measuring rods? It's contrary to the word, friends. Well, all my kids ain't saved. Oh, you know, everybody else tell me, oh, their kids been saved. No, everybody else's kids ain't saved either yet. Well, everybody else tell me, everything's going good their way. They're just not being honest with you. If you're a child of God, you're going through something. It ain't a mystery to me that if you're a child of God, you're going through something. It's just how many things you're going through in the day we're living in. I mean, you don't hardly talk to anybody that ain't going through something. And see, my, the ministry, I've never seen anything like it in my life. The ministry around the bride, around the world, it's unbelievable how they're being attacked. From one way to another to another, which is a good sign. It's a good sign, yes. It means we're getting closer and closer. It makes me wonder if our character 
there. It's not about ready to be topped off and we're ready for rapture time. Hallelujah. God is letting his people be tried like never before until the very hour of you feel like your breaking point. How shall we know? This is way too simple. We shall know because he said so. Well, well, I need more than that. Sorry. This separates bride from church. And manifested that he did love us for he brought us to himself and gave us of his spirit, placing us as sons. Now that's what he did. The next part is our part. And how shall I prove my love to him? By believing what he said, which includes the stormy clouds and bright clouds and all that that we just read before, by believing what he said and by conducting myself with depression. By conducting myself with joy. How many needs help on this? By conducting myself with joy amidst the trials that he in his wisdom allows to come to pass. But even when I don't understand, especially when you don't understand. By conducting myself with joy. How you doing, brother? Praise God, I'm a winner. Oh, everything took care of? Well, not exactly. It's in the process. <laughs> it's going to be fixed. Oh, oh you're doing better today. Oh, your doctor's report come back good? Nah, not so much. But I've got another report from on high. Amen. And if I don't get my healing here, I'm going to get a new body after a while. You know what? A person with the right attitude toward the Word. The prophet of God said the right mental attitude toward the Word of God will bring to pass any promise. Can you imagine? The right mental attitude. Is it any wonder that Satan works on our attitude with the gray skies and all the clouds and all the rain and the slow drizzle? And some of you have been under for the last six months and it's rained every day. And if you've got mud puddles in your walk, you've got mud puddles in your prayer life, you've got mud puddles in your association of church, you've got mud puddles you don't stream no more, and if you do stream, the internet goes crazy, and you can't find nothing no more, and you're just about ready to quit. Really? And tell me, what would that do for you? Because if you're a son or a daughter of God, and you're right here, and you choose to go back here, all you've done is regressed yourself and us. You're going to wind up being right back here anyway, except with a whole lot more bunch whoopings, and you've delayed my rapture. I wish you folks to get with the program. I'm sick of this place. And if it's me, I pray I get with the program because I know you're sick of living here too. But don't you understand? He will not lose a one. But what would he do? He will keep on working until every member of the bride think 
that every member of the bride that goes in the rapture will agree on this one thing. There's so many things we cannot agree on even in the message of the hour. But we must come to this agreement. This is a divine appointment of God that the bride must have a character that is so noble, so outstanding, so kingly, so queenly, she will be fit to rule. What's our Lord Jesus? How shall I prove my love to him? By believing what he said and conducting myself with joy amidst the trials that he and his wisdom allows to come to pass. I know thy poverty, but thou art rich. There it is again. See him walking up and down in the midst of his church like a father. He's looking down upon his family. He is the head of his household. He is the provider. He is the protector. But that does not mean what we interpret it to mean. He's saying, we look at this, some say, well, he's the protector. He'll protect me from everything. That's not what he said. He will protect you from being destroyed by the trials, the test that his wisdom allows. He will not protect you from them. Sometimes it calms the storm. Sometimes it calms me. Praise the Lord. Sometimes it calms you. He could just as easily speak to the storm. You've heard me tell it before, but Brother Doug McHugh the brother that Brother Branham saw in the vision. Brother Doug was hunting with him, and Brother Doug shared this with me several times. When they was on the hunting trip, and he went to Brother Branham, and Brother Branham said, the Lord show you visions. How he said, yes, Brother McHugh, but I, I'll usually come out here to rest. Well, he said, I, I didn't mean to trouble you. No, you didn't bother me. That's all right. You didn't bother me. And then Brother Branham breaks into a vision. He said, the reason you asked me that was because you've been to a doctor. And the doctor said, Mr. McHugh, I've doctored your eye for, oh, it was two years, I think. I've doctored your eye for all this. And he said, that virus in your eye is going to eat your eye out. There's nothing else I can do. Also, your mother, little dark woman, he said they're from Arkansas. He said, she said, son, if you see Brother Branham having to pray for this, and she slips her shoe off, and those little tumors hanging between her toes. And he said, that's the truth. Brother Ram turns around and he sees Brother Doug in the future. And he sees him, amen, without them dark glasses on, without his sight being hindered, but thus saith the Lord, the Lord God has healed you. Now in just a few minutes, it's when the angels of the Lord come down there and cut out the tops of the trees. Later on, after the angels of the Lord come down and the camp kind of comes back to normal, Brother Branham come to Brother Doug and said, Brother Doug, Brother McHugh, you've got a stomach trouble. It'll bother you the rest of your life. I've hunted with him. I've been with him in Africa, different places, many trips to Tucson to his church. He always kept a pack of Rolades in his pocket. Just as sure as he'd eat, he'd retrieve the Rolades. Now couldn't the same God who said your eyes are healed, couldn't the same God said your stomach is healed? Of course he could have. Why? I don't know why. That's a no-fly zone. I'll wait to understand it better by and by if I need to. Now, I know we say that a lot, and I'm totally convinced a lot of these things we say that about now, we don't even care then. Right. But if it matters, we'll understand it. 
So what does God do? God does it in such a way that will help us, that will benefit us. Notice this, as he walks up and down in the midst of the church, he is the protector, yet he looks on their poverty. Oh, how the untutored believer stumbles at this. How can God bear to look upon his own in a time of need and not stop it all? How can God look at a son or a daughter that has cancer in their body and a loving father allow them to go take one chemo treatment after another and makes them sick as a dog, lose their hair, cause all kinds of reactions in their body and a loving father and look at him and say, but remember, I still love you. The human mind that tries to process that said, God, how can you love me? How can you love my husband or wife and allow them to suffer? Because he's God. And he sees the great big old picture out of this that you and I do not see. How can a loving heavenly father Watch our brother Louie get up like a 90-year-old man, barely be able to make it up to the pulpit. How can he have love in his heart? And watch brother Louie as we all watch him and feel so sorry for him as he struggles to get up and lead to singing. Amen. Because rain clouds are not a sign of his approval. Back problems, slip disc, slip mind, whatever else we're slipping from, that is not a sign God does not love us. And remember, he's looking at the entirety of his program, and we must keep this in mind. He has our best interest in mind at all times. Do I understand it all as a pastor? I do not. But when I don't understand, I still trust his heart. When they come to Polycarp, he's, he's an old man. 96, wasn't it? Something like that. And they said, you're an old man. Recant. Don't go this way. They're going to kill you. They're going to burn you alive. He said, I'm an old man and I've seen this and that and the other. He said, why should I recant now? He ain't never done me nothing but good. Well, I ain't near as old as Polycarp was, but let me just tell you this this morning. I should have a bunch of roars of amens. I've done Jesus a lot of harm. I failed him. I've let him down, I'm sure. I'm sure he's felt so many disappointments because of me, but he ain't never. And I say never, never, never done me nothing but good. I'm not talking about just blessing me and helping me. I'm not just talking about whenever I pray and he heals me instantly. But I'm talking about the things that I don't even understand in life. Why does God allow me to suffer? Because he loves me. Why does God allow me to go through things at times when I don't understand? I have to keep in mind he has my best interests in mind at all times. When the sun is shining, when I have to run because lightning bolts is right on my trail. He loves me the same 
same both times and if I've got the right attitude I can say thank God I miss that lightning bolt and then I jump over here in another and say thank God thank God I'll become a good jumper if nothing else and I will learn by the grace of God in the midst of hell he still loves me in the midst of your suffering he loves you he has your best interest in mind church Oh my. Yet he looks on their poverty. Oh, how the untutored believer stumbles at this. How can God bear to look upon his own in the time of need and not just stop it all? Just give in and lavish everything material upon them. Now remember the Lord Jesus had to experience this himself. He had to kenosis himself. I wonder how many things he went through that the scripture does not record that Jesus was a poor man and Jesus struggled with this and with that in order to gain a maturity in his character. Let me close. Here is where you have to believe again in the love and goodness and wisdom of God. I know that's so simple. But my brother, sister, if we will be able by the grace of God to believe and achieve those three things, it will be one of the greatest things outside of your new birth that you'll ever attain to. Oh, I know it's not thunders, it's not seals, it's not parousia, it's not all kinds of so-called deep revelations, but it's something that'll help you every day of your life to believe in the goodness of God when it seems as if though you're under God's angry outpouring of wrath to still believe in goodness when God has taken your wife or your husband or your child and you're still able to say God is good oh yes he is he's good all the time it's pretty words to a song but you and I both know it comes times when we struggle to believe in the goodness of God. Notice this, and I'll close with these words. To believe again in the love and goodness and wisdom of God. This, too, is needful. Let's stand. Brother Caleb, let's read... Uh, this next scripture here, we'll just share it. We'll pick it up, Lord willing, Wednesday. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him. Now I grant you, you ain't going to hear a lot of our message, brothers. Read this scripture or preach from it. Because we want to project we're so strong and we're so great and we're so mighty. <laughs> you imagine Paul saying such a thing. For though he was crucified through weakness, asthenia, infirmity, disease, 
sickness and want of strength. It wasn't like the Lord Jesus was there going through the beating and Gethsemane and, and hanging on the cross. My, all this power. His muscles were bulging out like Hercules. And, oh, goodness, his arms, you know, and become like Samson, the arms and the shoulders like barn doors. He was not crucified in strength. He was crucified in weakness. And then Paul said, we are weak. In Him. Can anybody squeak out an amen? amen? But notice how he lays this. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. So Jesus the man, the human temple, was crucified through weakness. But he lives by the power of himself from the other world. Which he could not allow to die in that form. God's strength is made perfect in weakness. Praise God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. Oh, praise God. This has been a wonderful day. And I ain't saying it called sunshine. I'm saying it because the sunshine. The evening light has come. One of the smoothest flights I've ever had, and I've had many around the world. But one of the smoothest flights I've ever had was as we left out of Chicago, O'Hara. And the pilot came on and said, ladies and gentlemen, we are the first ones to be approved to fly over the top of the earth. Instead of going around the earth with the way the earth does its turning and spinning in the universe, they allowed us to go over the top of the earth like this. And go over the Bering Straits and come over Russia and all of that and come down on the other side and land in China. And it was early in the evening, 3 o'clock, something like that, so I, I always get a window seat. So I was able to see this portion of the earth, which I'd never seen before. One of the smoothest flights I was ever on. But I realized what it was. The earth spinning like this a thousand miles an hour with the trade winds and all the winds that comes around it. But going this way, you're above the way that it spins. And you're in this smooth place. And I thought, wow, this is flying to the mega. Man, if all flying was this, I'd be the flying king. <laughs> Other times I'm like this. Deer in the headlight thing, you know. Wouldn't it be something if every day you got up, the birds was chirping your name. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Sunshine. Ma. Perfect temperature. <laughs> Which would almost be an impossibility. <laughs> Since some of you like 75, some of you like 82, some of you like 63. 
Can you imagine a world, friends, when we, we won't have no beds in heaven. We won't even sleep. All you brothers that love your lazy boys, there won't be no lazy boys up there. There won't be no rocker recliners. There's no beds. There's no beds. You imagine when we're there, there'll never be any racial discrimination, political discrimination. There'll never be no riots, no protests, nobody sick. Oh God, hasten the day. Hasten the day. But apparently I still need some things. I still need some things that'll help me, Brother Louie. And that new world to come. Praise God. Are you willing for God to mold you and shape you and make you? Even if it means you look so weak. And if God has to bring you to a place. You remember Brother Ram talking about one of the great preachers back in the day. A newspaper reporter come and wanted to know if they could write an article about D.O. Moody. And they come, and they were sarcastic, of course. So they, they attended the meeting and heard him. And they printed it in the paper, said, why in the world anybody would ever come and hear him speak? He whines. He's got a growl. He's ugly. I mean, they went through a whole list of things. Moody's manager got the paper and read it to him. He said, huh, they don't come to see me. They come to see God. But God took a man, Charles Spurgeon, one of the prince of preachers, great man. I mean, the man said profound things in his day. Some of the things that he said are still great in the hour we live in. And the man suffered depression. The man went through so many things and yet cut off, seemed like, right when he was really going, a young man, as we would say. How many of them? Dr. Bosworth standing in the pulpit and passed one kidney stone after another. How many great men of God that were hampered by one thing and another. But I wonder if it was not them things that added to their greatness. They made excuse for it. Oh God, if I didn't have this, God, if I wasn't that. And God said, I'll tell you what, you give me that and I'll do the job with that. But instead of us, we said, no, now, God, I've got great things. Look at this smile. What do you think? <laughs> now, God, what about my charisma? God, what about this ability? Now, God, I am so eloquent. God said, no, nah, I'm not interested in none of that. What I want is your failures. What I want is those things that you make excuse. Don't you remember whenever I took Moses out in the desert and I taught him seven weaknesses? And let him marry a woman that had a high temper and he had a high temper and they really had a time out there. Can you imagine? It's a good thing they didn't have wallpaper in them days. They had to kill one another. If there's anything that'll try a marriage, it's redecorating a house. It's okay, brothers. You don't have to say amen. You can just wink at me. Praise the Lord. Think of it, friends. Some of us may be here in our character. Some of us may be there. What's a marvel to me is around the world, God is working on topping off every member of the bride with every trial. No doubt this coronavirus, all these things that are happening around us, it's helping us with our patience and our trying of this and that and the other. But one day, we'll all be topped off just like this. It'll be, 
the brothers and sisters in Africa, in India, in China, in Vietnam, in the Congo, Tennessee, Louisiana, Illinois, they all have reached their level. And the Lord will say, today is the day. And the rapture day may not be a sunshiny one. It may be rain. It may be snow in some places. But it really won't matter. If you get the sunshine in your soul, then brother, sister, no matter what you're going through, you can get up and say, ah, I was hoping to be sunny today. Praise God. He's raised in my heart. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Look here. My, my, just a 60% chance of rain today. That's a 40% chance they might miss it. But you see, it depends on whether you're an optimist or a pessimist. You look at it, a real one that looks at the words, a 90% chance it's going to rain. Well, you know what? There's a 10% chance it may not. I'm going to get that root canal done. Praise God. Me and my wife might go get a hamburger, and we might be able to have a picnic in between that 10% chance time. If you get rained out, well, praise the Lord, we'll only do it tomorrow. Hallelujah. It's been a good day. I got that root canal done. I'm not hurting that bad early. I'm doing pretty good. But it depends on what you let dictate your life. You can live under the doom and gloom of all the sadness and the things we're going through. Or you can say, this is another day. The coming of the Lord is one day closer. The Lord has helped us. The Lord has given us strength. The Lord has kept us through plague and famine and disease and trouble and riots and on and on and on and on. Or we can sit around and feel sorry for ourselves. Which we going to do, Happy Valley? Let's bow our heads together. God bless you. Oh, Jesus. How this overwhelms our hearts, Father. I imagine it must have been a very peculiar feeling for you the first time you felt sadness. No doubt it started when you was a wee boy. Maybe Mary had to spank you. Because she thought you'd done something wrong. And you felt pain. Somebody said something to hurt your feelings. And for the first time, glory to God, you felt what it's like to get your feelings hurt. What was it like, Lord Jesus, the first time somebody called you a name? We know how kids can be. Kids can be so cruel and so mean. No doubt the children in that day were very mean as they are today and very cruel. I wonder what they called you. I wonder what they called your mother. I wonder the slang words and the curse words that they used in that day to identify what seemed to be a child born out of wedlock. How many times did you hear yourself call that? And hear Mary call that. But you knew it wasn't true. But I'm glad, Lord, that you felt those things. So when me and these people here, people around the world would be called all kinds of names, which are not true. And we get our feelings hurt and we go to you and say, Jesus, Lord, please help me, Lord. And you remember how it was when you were called that. Lord, this is just about overwhelming to us. 
Now you are there in a glorified body on the throne of God. And you are still so human that a child with a broken heart, maybe it's a black child, and that child is treated racially different, racially wrong because they're black, and they get called some bad name. Or maybe they're a Native American or an Indian, East Indian, whatever they'd be. And they would get ridiculed at school or at work, and they'd be passed over time and time again because of their race. And they're a Christian, and they love you, and they feel hurt, and they, they feel like this world ain't fair. Life ain't fair. You remember how you were treated. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I am so grateful, Lord God. Thank you for coming to this earth to become like me that you might make me like you. Forgive me for asking for you to eliminate trials prematurely, not only in my life, but the life of others. Help me, Father, that instead of doing that, we can pray for strength and grace through the trials. And as Paul sought you one time for a tremendous thing that kept afflicting him over and over again, you could have come and said, it's gone. It'll never bother you again. But instead, you said, my grace is sufficient for thee. And somehow or another, those words brought comfort to Paul's heart. And it changed him from that day on. And then he would say such words, therefore I rejoice in my infirmities. That the glory of God may rest or build a tabernacle around me. Those words helped him. Father, I pray your words today have helped us in this place. And those that have streamed the service, no matter what we're going through, our God loves us. Lord, I, I have to be honest. I still prefer sunny days over rainy ones. I still prefer the beautiful sunshine over the dark, dismal clouds. But I'm so glad that even if it's raining on the outside, I have S-O-N-S-H-I-N-E in my soul 24-7 because the sun has risen over my sea gene and it never rains in my soul. Lord God, comfort your people, would you? Father, you've seen what we've been through as a nation, as a world with this coronavirus. You see, Lord, the protests and the riots and things that are going on. Lord, you see the death of this unarmed black man and this policeman, Lord, that did what he did. Oh, God, I pray, may you help us. Will there ever be justice? Will there ever be truth, equality, and equity? Yes, there will be when you come back to the earth and take it over. Oh, Lamb of God, if the Democrats run it, then they'll never perfect it. If the Republicans run it, they'll never perfect it. If the Libertarians run it, it'll never be perfect. The prophet said God's way is a godly king. And God's perfect way is the godly King Jesus. Hallelujah. Help us, Lord. Lord, you see our country reeling under all this stuff. Please, God. We know it's demons that gets on people. It's demons, Lord, that erupts all this sort of stuff. Bring peace, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus.
Lord, not only that, maybe troubled hearts today that's in storms and trials and they don't understand why they're there. Lord Jesus, may you speak peace to them. You're still the way maker, the promise keeper. Hallelujah. Lord, our brothers and sisters, several of them, your Lord, in our assembly with cancer and taking chemo, several friends of mine around the world. Lord, just hearing in the last couple of weeks of several ministers dying of this COVID-19 around the world, another one getting it yesterday, another one today. Oh, Lamb of God, be merciful. Pastors of churches, and Lord, may you speak comfort to their hearts as well, I pray, during this time. No, No doubt they're wondering why, but Lord Jesus, we pray, may you help us, Father. May you speak peace to your people around the world, Lord God. Over in Turkey as they suffered the persecution, Lord. Our brothers, even some to this very day, Lord God, been arrested, Lord God, in China. Suffering under the persecution, the message being declared, Lord, to be a hate message, I pray in Russia. May you move for our brothers and sisters in Russia. Lord, we don't want to get so narrow-minded that we think just about us and our four and no more. But Lord God, we pray for your people around the world. Help your bride, Lord Jesus. Help your bride, I pray, Father. Give us strength. Give us courage, Lord God. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, Father. Amen. And Happy Valley said, Do you love him with all your heart? Can you still say in the time of trouble, he's a way maker? Can you say it when you see no way? Now, it's easy to say when you can see the way before you and the Red Sea's open, but it's another thing when the Red Sea's right up before you and Pharaoh's on your back and you still say, he's a way maker. He's a promise keeper. That's when we really prove what we are to God. Amen. Hey, let's sing that together again, can we? Can we worship a little before we go? Amen. God bless you, saints. Love you so much. How's it feel to be in church two services in a row? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's sing it a little bit before he goes to worship. God bless all those of you that would love to be here and can't be here. Remember the funeral service of Brother Buzz tomorrow. We'll still leave the tape this, on the seats and we'll still do as we have been doing for all of that for the service tomorrow. So remember that. Sister Joy won't be having a receiving line as we do normally uh, because of all the stuff that's going on. She and Nikki will be sitting up here in front. Just pass by and see the body and, and go on and pay your respects. God bless you. Let's sing together. You are here. Moving. Moving in our midst. I believe he's been here this morning. I worship, I worship you, Lord. I thank I you for your truth today, Lord God. Hallelujah. You are here. You're here, Jesus. Working in this place. In this place. Tell me what he is. You are here. He's here. Moving in our midst. Oh, Lord. I worship you. I worship you. Amen, Lord. You are here. Working in this place. I worship you.
Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, as we come to the close of another service, we thank you for the opportunity once again to sit at the great table of the King. Lord, I think today of a man so many, many years ago. The news had come to your ears that your friend had died. They asked you to come that way, but you couldn't go to the appointed time. Once again, you're showing us part of your reason for coming to the earth. No doubt your heart was so moved when you first heard that Lazarus was sick. You wanted to intervene, but you couldn't because the Father hadn't led you to. You're showing us a perfect life submitted. All the power of God at your access. But what was more important was the will of God with that power. And that man, when you finally got there, his nose had fallen in. He began to stink in that arid, dry country. When you said, roll the stone away. But his sister said, Lord, he stinketh by now. But it wasn't just a few moments till your great voice called him from the dead. Then the Bible tells us in a few days after that, they had given a great supper. And you and your disciples were called to this supper to eat. And also Lazarus had been called to the supper. And the scripture tells us that many came to see you, but they also came to see him who had been raised from the dead. And I think of the parallel, a man who was in the tomb, rottening, now sitting at the table, eating with the king. I think of us in the tomb of sin, rottening in the corruption of our fallen nature. But we heard the voice of the Son of Man, and he called us out of those tombs. And here we sit this morning at the table with the king, feeding on the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. But unlike Lazarus, our resurrected soul will never go back to that tomb again. But we are alive forevermore. Glory be to God. We walked in darkness and we was in corruption. Oh, but thank God, our Creator spoke our name. Hallelujah. And our soul come out of the tomb. Lord Jesus, go with us now. Watch over us. Keep us during these times, Father, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you, saints. Go in the fear of God. Keep remembering all this stuff. Let's pray that the numbers will go down and we can be released. We can all come back together again. Oh, don't you long for it. It's good. It's, it's good, I know. But it still ain't right. It still ain't right to me for us to be meeting this way. Let's just pray God. God will help us and God will be able to release us from this hold where we can gather together. Hallelujah. God bless you, saints. I love you in the Lord. Did you enjoy that this morning? Praise the Lord.
Let's sing, oh, happy day when Jesus washed my sin. Hadn't it been good to be in church? Oh, this is a highlight of our day. I'm telling you the truth. Brethren, if you want to ever how you do that this morning, if you want to come and be dismissed as we sing this this morning, but let's sing it with all of our heart. Can't sing it like our brother from uh, that was here a long time ago sang it. We can still try, can't we? Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When Jesus washed. When my Jesus washed. When my Jesus washed. He washed my sins away. Jesus, why? When my Jesus was. Since Jesus.
if you can find this, Caleb, we'll, do, we'll sing this right before we're dismissed. Gee, I think, brother. Water you turn into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. There's none like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you. There's none like you. Is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, oh, our God, our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are we rise there's no one like you my God there's none like you oh our God is greater our God is stronger God you are higher than any other our God is healer awesome and See?